0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. Amen, amen. God bless you all. It is wonderful to see uh, you all in the house of the Lord. We have a fair number of first time guests here today. First of all, let me just say thank you for taking a chance on us. It can be a little off putting to try out a new church, and we're glad you're here. And so we're going to uh, try to host you well. My name is Nathan. I'm honored to be the lead janitor here at First Church, and my wife's trying to take over. Y'all pray for her that she'll have a submitted spirit for the first time in her life. It'll be a, am just teasing. Uh, she always says she has no role. Well, let me tell you where the first job is, and that's to keep me saved, because without her, I'm going to bust it wide open. That's all I got to say about that. So uh, anyway, my job is to keep her saved, because, you know, anyway, moving along, my title for our... Bible study today is simply this, now what? And the idea is pursuing the will of God in our lives, and I'm going to take you on a journey through a story that's told in the Word of the Lord, and we're going to learn from that story, we're going to apply it to our lives, and we're going to seek to grow from it. So I am addressing this subject of seeking the will of God, and I want to start by pointing out to you something that you hopefully are ready to admit. Hopefully you are ready to grasp this in your life. And that is this, that God has an investment in you. Uh, I want you to, I want you to see that more than just a salvation story. Uh, I want you to see that more than just, oh, I need to, you know, let the Lord uh, have control of my life and be saved, and more than that, uh, the Lord has more of an investment in you than simply the investment of a creator or a divine Father. You see, He is not just in that type of a spiritual role. Yes, He is that, but He also has a mission here in the earth, and He has a purpose. And so, in the same manner that as a Father. Uh, He would care for you as a master. He would have a duty for you. I want you to see this. This is why in the life of Jesus Christ, he often uses the language of the kingdom and the kingdom being like a master who goes on a trip and leaves stewards, leaves servants with duty. Do you see somebody say, "I I see, I see, I see, Said the blind man. I want you to grasp this. So Yes, he is interested in your salvation. Yes, he loves you and he wants to have a relational connection with you. He has that investment in you. Yes, somebody say amen. Amen. But he also has the investment in you as a steward. He has given you a world in which you are not accidentally placed, but you are strategically placed by God to have a spiritual influence. You go, as it were, bearing precious seed into the fields of the Lord, and you carry the seed, and we all of us have this divine investment upon us. We are placed by God, we are empowered by God, and we're challenged to make a difference. I want all of you to see and feel and accept and even embrace this challenge of God upon your life. You have a testimony to give you have a word from the lord to share to somebody your prayers can make a difference in somebody's life your intercession can be the strength that somebody desperately needs today and if you don't see that if you don't perceive that there will always be a risk that in some manner uh You don't get the investment that God has in you. And so you experience a type of self-serve Christianity, which is not all wrong. There is an element of doing what is good for us and finding what we need and getting encouragement for ourselves. That's not all wrong, but it's only half the story. The will of God for your life is that his anointing upon you would overflow you. His spirit would be like a well springing up into everlasting life. It overflows your life. It overflows your abilities and it begins to influence all the people in your life. You are not a social media influence influencer. You're a Holy Spirit influencer. That should have been the title of this message, right? Holy Spirit Influencer. And get a picture of somebody making kisses at a camera or something like that. God has an investment in you. So if that is true, we're going to live in a certain way. And we're going to consider what we can do to make a difference in our world. One more time. Big First Church, amen. All right. So I want to tell you a story from the Old Testament. I want to show you somebody you know biblically you know as a famous Bible character, and I want to show you an element in his life that you need to apply to your life and I need to apply to my life. So I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 23. This is the story of David before he is king. Uh, they told David, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. Keilah is a town on the frontier of Judah. It is, as a result, susceptible to border raids from the nations uh, that are the enemies of Israel. And so uh, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. They are robbing the threshing floors. At the time of harvest, when they bring the gain in, Philistines would uh, create raiding parties, and they would come in and force, and they would steal all of uh, the harvest. And Verse number 2, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said, look, we're afraid here in Judea, Judea, or Judah, I should say. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the armies of Philistines? As if to say, David, don't you think we've bitten off enough? We can barely chew what's in our mouth, and you want us to go make more enemies. Uh, Please don't tell us that your plan is to go and make more enemies. Verse number four, what did David do? He inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go to Keilah. I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. What does David do? He goes down. What happens? The Lord keeps his promise. A victory is won. A city is saved. Uh, Real quick, to remind you and catch you up to speed on the life of David. Uh, David was a young man in the house of Israel who, although his family had place and standing, He was not in an obvious royal line of any sort. He did not have a noble birth of any type. Uh, He very much was just the son, youngest son, in an era where there isn't a noble line established that he has access to it. That would be the family of Saul. And he is, as a young man... In the lowest place of stature in his family, the worst job in the Jewish household was that of a shepherd. It's kind of like, you know how when you're a kid and they're playing pickup sports, pickup basketball, or pickup... Stick ball or whatever you played as a kid. Um, you know the kid who gets chosen last? I was that kid. The kid they didn't want on the team, I was that kid. Now I'm better than them all. I just want to say that for posterity. They're all overfed full gospel preachers, and I'm just a mildly overfed full gospel preacher. So now that I've felt better about myself, uh, (laughs) I want to say I was the kid who didn't ever get picked up. And uh, that's how David felt. Uh, He was the last one to be presented when the prophet came to town. The prophet's coming to choose someone to be anointed. Nobody in the family says, get David, not even his mama. Now, if your mama's not for you, nobody can be for you. I just, I'm just, i just trying to keep it real. Your mama thinks you can do stuff, honey, you just can't do. Your mama would be like, oh, someone need brain surgery? My baby can do that. No, I can't. Uh, your mama believes in you. Not even Dave's mom is trying to get him out there. Why? He's the youngest. He has a lot of capable, talented, uh, strong, older brothers who are At places of more, how shall we say, social skills. They're older, more mature, more wisdom. Uh, And if that's what God is looking for, then God's never going to choose David. But let me remind you something about God. God looks for things that are not obvious to our flesh. Some of you have been told your whole life that you were of no special import that you had no special ability i would like to ask you this question how would the critics in your life know god is looking for something that maybe no one else has been looking for and god can take the loaves and the sheep of your life oh praise god somebody the loaves and the fishes i should say of your life and the sheep too and when he's done with them he can do something mighty in you that goes beyond any understanding David's on the bottom of the totem pole. But let me tell you what David has done. Well, first, let me tell you what David has not done. He has not turned his bitterness, his low status into bitterness. That is what's natural to us. We kind of mumble around about injustice and how that's not fair, and no one ever gives me a chance, and no one lets me be, uh, no one picks me for the team, and (laughs) and (laughs) and we kind of celebrate our bitterness, and then we find other bitter people, and we gather so we can create our own little bitter society of... Judging the rest of the world. And that's how we cope. That's not what David did with his low status. He took his low status and turned it into worship. So his brothers don't care that he's on the hillside. He doesn't care about what they care about. He turns it into worship. What is a disappointment in your life? And are you turning it into worship? What are you frustrated with? And are you, I'm preaching to somebody, turning it into worship? Everybody wishes different things had worked out in different ways. Are you turning your frustrations into worship? I didn't get the job. Well, it may have been the worst job of your life. You don't know. Turn it into worship. Something happens. Mm. When you turn your disappointments into a praise service, when you turn your disappointments into worship, you get the attention of God. And God's looking for a king. God's, God's not looking for a shepherd, not at this moment. God's looking for a king. Now, God has shepherds speaking as one, but God's looking for a king. And he's looking for all the people who are socially confident and mature. No. He's looking for someone who can turn frustration, disappointment, and bitterness into worship. And so David jumps to the, to the top of God's short list. Don't you want to be on God's short list? And so you know the story. Now, David then, having turned his circumstance uh, into worship... He is able to see things from the perspective of God, not the perspective of fear. I'm preaching to somebody, not the perspective of competition, not the perspective of who's getting over on who, not on the perspective of who has better career opportunities, not from the perspective of who's better looking and has more media followers. From this perspective, uh, how does God see it? And so when David is sent as a young child to carry food to his older brother and on the battlefield, who are all hiding and cowering from goliath he doesn't see it as a goliath comparison he sees it from god's perspective who is this uncircumcised philistine to challenge the armies of the most high god how can he do that worship will get you a bit of seeing things from god's perspective And here is Saul. Saul's looking for someone to fight Goliath because Saul's not fighting Goliath. Do you see? Saul perhaps should. Two reasons. First of all, he has the most obvious anointing upon him. God placed his anointing upon him. Uh, Other people are just of the tribe and the family. Saul has God's anointing upon him. But you'll never find one time Saul going to God and saying, should I fight Goliath? Maybe if he would have asked, he would have been given an answer. But he doesn't do that. Second reason, uh, Saul was head and shoulders of all the house of Israel. What's interesting about that, Saul was Israel's Goliath. And he's still looking for someone else to fight Goliath. Here comes a boy who can turn bitterness into worship. And he sees, not from the perspective of a boy, he sees from the perspective of who? The one he worships. He says, I'll do it. Well, as a result, you know the story. David catapults from low status to high status. He becomes son-in-law to the king. He marries the king's daughter. Uh, The young maidens of Israel celebrate by singing in the manner of the time. Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. David obviously is trying to get used to this new reality and uh, awkward and he's doing his best not to cause problems and what not. But Saul is cut to the quick because of David's uh, accomplishment, because of David's uh, great victory, his exaltation. Uh, that which Saul lusts for and craves, uh, he sees David receiving. And the result of this, the result of this is that uh, Saul... Uh, has this hatred developed in his life for young David. Uh, this is this is so fascinating to me because Saul should have been in that moment Israel's Goliath. He had every reason from anointing uh, to size Uh, And he chose not to but he cannot look in the mirror and see his own coward and the result is that bitterness fills him toward David. It's hard to look in the mirror and say you should have been braver than you were. That's very hard. Uh, And we all need to do that. Uh, That's called facing your fears. And so some of us, uh, we uh, we need to face some fears in our life. The coward, as uh, one uh, quote says, the coward dies many, many times. A, A brave man just dies once. And so Saul is facing his cowardness. And in the manner of a bitter person, he doesn't look in the mirror and say, you had an opportunity. You should have risked it all. God was with you. It was worth it. Instead... In the manner of bitterness, he projects at what other people have done wrong, and the result is he hates David. Now, he takes all his house guard. They didn't have professional armies in that day. They raised armies. Uh, But the men right around the king who served as a type of professional officer corps um, and a royal bodyguard, they were about 600 men. Saul takes all of them and turns them into a bounding honey crew bounty hunting crew and they're wanting to find and kill david now david's on the run 600 professional soldiers the closest thing that there are at the time are full-time searching for him everywhere he has gotten very very busy (laughs) he spends all of his time hiding moving from place to place not sleeping on the same pillow twice god kind of use a phrase and he is he is everything has gone wrong in his life uh he received anointing and has given him trouble. And uh, he could turn that into bitterness, but no, his most beautiful worship are written as he runs for his life. He could have hold God to account. Is this your version of blessing? If this is your version of blessing, I, I don't really want anything to do with you. He could have been bitter, but God chose someone who knew how to turn difficulty into worship. And since he learned how to do it early, it wasn't so hard for him to do it now. That's one of the reasons why some of us struggle with the same battle over and over. We never learned the lesson before. What are you disappointed in? What breaks your heart? What hurts you? What fills you with pain? Can you turn it into worship? I'm here to tell you, you could do it. It is the path of the right approach to God. It is true submission, not my will. Thy will be done. So you know the story. Uh, David now is hiding for his life. And uh, now this frontier city, Keilah, is attacked by the Philistines. David could make two mistakes here. And I want you to understand this because I want to leave you with something here. There's two mistakes. It's like the old-time preacher used to say, there's ditches on both sides of the road. It's not just one side of the road. There's on both sides of the road. Um, and so here is the reality of the ditch on one side of the road. David could have said, of course, I'm going to go to Keilah. I'm anointed. Everything I touch turns to gold. I'm going to Keilah. Uh, that's not what he did. The other side of the road, the ditch on the other side of the road is I can't go to Keilah. I can barely keep myself alive. I, in both cases would have represented his reasoning And his confidence in himself or his lack of confidence in himself. What does David do? David doesn't automatically say, I can do it. He doesn't automatically say, I can't do it. What does David do? David inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. You can't do everything, but that doesn't mean you can't do something God has decided you can do. I can't do it. Let's just be real here. I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. God has an anointing upon you. God has an investment in you. You need to believe that. It will change the way you live. It will change the way you pray. But let's be real. You don't have an unlimited time budget. You don't have an unlimited stress budget. Once your stress budget for the week is up, you are looking for a place to hide. Once your social uh, budget is used up, you are staying at home. You'll be like the preacher under the cover telling his wife, I'm not going to church, I'm not going to church. And she said, You gotta come out of there, you're the preacher. But anyway, enough about me and my wife. I I want you to see, you can't do everything. You can't automatically say to an opportunity, I can do that, I'm anointed, I'm called. You'll burn yourself down. On the other hand, you can't say, I'm barely keeping myself saved. If God's only goal was to keep you saved, the rapture would have already taken place. You're here for a mission, and you're here for a purpose, and you need to believe it. You need to believe there's anointing in you. You need to believe there's the power of God in your heart. Come on, somebody. What does David do? He inquires of the Lord. Now, let me be real here for a little while. As a church, we can't do everything. Uh, We have finite time, finite ability, finite resources. That doesn't mean we can't do anything. That means we need to inquire of the Lord. That means we need to seek the will of God. Because if God gives it to us as mission, purpose, and duty, He will not send us to something He has not prepared us to accomplish. Would you like to have God to own your problems and commit to your goals? Seek the will of God. If God said you can do it, honey, you can do it. He's not a man that he would lie. If God anoints you to do it, it shall be done. If you'll place your life in his hand. All right, so David's this unique combination of worship and war. Unique combination of uh, warrior and poet. These are not categorizations, categories that often uh, go together. Most warriors don't write much poetry and most poets don't practice much war. But there is in the life of David this, this unique connection uh, between the two. And uh, so it is in our lives. There is the spiritual com- component of conflict and purpose. Uh, you are mightily anointed for the kingdom. And there is also the reality of you're going to see the beauty of the Lord. And you're going to dwell in His house. And you're going to lift up holy hands without wrath. And doubting. One will not make you weaker for the other, but they will combine as a spiritual anointing in your life to empower you and make you strong. You are anointed. David inquires of the Lord. And he acknowledges he can't do everything. To try is to burn himself out. But that does not mean he can't do anything. You need to find mission and passion. And you need to inquire of the Lord what you can do to make a difference. Because I'm here to tell you, God wants to heal the sick through your hands. God wants to lead people of faith through your testimony. God wants your word of encouragement. Let me remind you, all ministry happens out of overflow. You can only fake ministry for a little while before it turns into a toxic unhealthy thing and then somebody's reviewing your life saying oh how the mighty are fallen. You have to stay in a place of overflowing. It's always this image of a well springing, uh, overflowing out of you. The Lord does not simply want you to make it. He wants you to be more than a conqueror. Not just enough for you, but enough for you to help somebody. It's not just your arms that are being held up. Your arms are holding up other people's arms. Do you see this? And so you have to be aware of this reality. You have to commit yourself not just to the maintenance Christianity that all of us need, but also to the mission Christianity to which all of us are called. And this unique balance can only be met with you Inquiring of the Lord, what would you like me to do? How would you like me to pray? What would you like me to dedicate my life to? I can't do everything, but that doesn't mean I can't do anything. The Lord says go, and the Lord is with him. If the Lord sends you, he's going to show up with you. The Lord will not put anything upon you you cannot bear. But failure... Failure is real in our life. And what does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. Some of us put things on ourselves that we cannot bear. And we turn our work for the Lord into an unhealthy thing because we are trying to do it when we haven't enough even for ourselves. I want to inquire of the Lord. It matters. You see, so much in the word of the Lord uh, tells us what to do but not how to do it. Watch this. Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, but he doesn't tell him how to do it. He doesn 't say, "I want you to get a tent and I want you to get a traveling band, and then I want you to give away a bicycle at every town." He doesn't tell him how to do it. But any of that would be fine if it gathered people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't tell him, "You need, you need to get a bus and you need to get a road show." Uh, he tells them what, but he does not tell them how. Do you see? So it is in your life. The Lord will often tell you what, but you have to answer the question of how. You can't do everything. You don't have all the gifts. You don't have all the talents. You don't have all the money. Well, everybody except Don. Don has all the money. But everybody else, you're having to figure it out. Do you see? God tells you what? I am a pastor. God tells me what. But He doesn't tell me necessarily how. I I know you can... Uh, look at scriptures on the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, and that's how. But those are character things. Those are transformational things. That's not details of how to hold a service, what time to have the service, how much singing should there be, how much preaching should there be. And yet, isn't it interesting that so many churches spend all their time fighting about how, so they almost get no what done. Because they have all these battles over How? Let me tell you how we're going to do it. We're going to look at this cultural moment and we're going to look at this generational moment and we're going to ask ourselves what creates the most immersive uh, moment and cultural connection uh, for this generation in this generational and cultural moment. And that's how we're going to do it. Not everyone's gonna like it because they liked the 90s better. Other people won't like it because they liked the 70s better. It's okay. There is no reason to fight over. How we should be committed to what? And here is the what. God has placed this church, God has placed this pastor, and God has placed every one of you anointed people in this time, in this city, in this generation. And God has an investment in you. And God wants to use your prayer, and God wants to use your hands, and God wants to flow through your word. If you want to pray for people at work and it's okay, pray for them at work. If you want to go out to the park on a Saturday and hand out water, hand out water in Jesus' name. The what is not the how is not the big deal. It's the what. You need to be committed to mission. That may be feeding down at the homeless shelter. That may be a soup line. That may be visiting sick kids at Levine Hospital. What is in your hand? That's the missional you. All right, I'm yelling at you. Sorry. But you know how I do. I yell sometimes. And it's a yelling Sunday because I'm mad at having to get up an hour early uh, to come to church. (laughs) Do the work of an an evangelist. My mic has given me a little bit of drama if you'll be patient with that. Uh, Do the work of an evangelist, but the Bible doesn't say how. Build the church, but the Bible doesn't give us a plan. Uh, It gives us kind of principles. Uh, The Bible says, feed my sheep, but there's no law on how long you should preach, how long you should teach. Some people do it one hour. Some people do it two hours. You guys know I want to do it two hours, but I married Charla, and she only gives me about a 35-minute budget, and at 40 minutes, she starts giving me the look. Uh, So we can't do everything. Uh, Acts chapter number 16, uh, Paul is seeking to have a breakthrough because he's a missionary and he's on a missionary journey, but he's not having a breakthrough. And he's in an area where we now call, we call it Turkey. uh, And he wants to go that way. And he wants Bithynia, the Bible says, that's in modern day Turkey. He wants to go to Bithynia and he wants to see uh, the work of the Lord there. And uh, that was where everything was uh, new and exciting. That's like. At the time, even the Roman Empire is moving that way, and it'll turn into Constantinople and the Second Roman Empire there. don't have time for that, but I want you to see it. Uh, It seemed like uh, toward Europe it was dead. It was like the old empire toward Europe, so to speak, and uh, so many of the more wild, tribal-type things uh, there that way, and uh, he he thinks he'll go to Asia, to Turkey, and uh, the the Bible says the Spirit forbade him. It said, don't go. Now, how can you do that? There's not, isn't there lost people here? Yes. But you can't do everything. You have to seek what the Lord would have you to do. Do you see? Uh, isn't there churches that need to be built here? Yes. Uh, But you can't do everything. You need to inquire of the Lord. What would the Lord have you to do? Some of you guys right now are in circumstances that are killing you because you have not inquired of the Lord as to that which you should be doing. You need to look in the mirror. You need to quit blaming other people in your life. And you need to say, all right. Real talk, Lord, what would you have me to do? I can't do everything. I have a limited time budget. I have a limited stress budget. I have a limited set of tools and abilities. But there's something I can do. I just want to know what you would have me to do. The Spirit says no. And so he turns away from Bithynia and he goes down to a place called Troas. But uh, it's not in Troas he's supposed to be either, but God speaks to him in Troas. And it's there he has a vision of a man down in Macedonia uh, saying, come over here. And this is the story in church history where the gospel moves from Asia to Europe, this is when it happens. God knows the gospel has to get to Europe because none of the other missionary journeys are going to get it there like Paul will. There's other journeys going in other places, but no one's going to get it to Europe like the apostle Paul will. And so, if you would have asked the children of Israel, standing outside their tents in the wild wilderness of the... the, the The desert, this wild wilderness between Egypt and um, Israel, if you would have said, uh, how long are you going to stay here? They would have said, we don't know, but we're watching that cloud over there. How long are you going to camp here? We don't know, but we're watching that pillar of fire over there. And let me tell you how it's going to work. When that pillar of fire moves and its nighttime or that cloud moves in its daytime, honey, we're packing because we're going to follow what is the will of the Lord. We can't take it all. We can't do it all. We're going to inquire of the Lord. And so when the cloud moves, the people of God move. God, would you lead us? as a church? Would you lead us as a pastoral team? Would you lead us as anointed believers to make a difference in this hour? In Jesus' name we pray. Someone say amen. Amen. The benefit of this in David's life, and I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come. Uh, the benefit of this in David's life is that he's not exhausted uh, to the point where God cannot use him as a tool. Uh, when, you, and, and, uh, when I say a tool, I know that's an insult in the way we speak one to another where someone manipulates you. That's not what God does with us. Uh, we're not manipulated by God even though technically you could say that. What we are is we're led to places of becoming for a purpose that's greater than we can perceive. That's not the same thing. And so David can be Instead of all his time spent hiding, he's able to be used of God for the purpose that God has. King Saul has the duty of protecting Keilah. But King Saul is so filled with hatred and bitterness and anger that all he can see is David as his enemy. He has lost his purpose. And he now thinks his purpose is to kill David. And so when King Saul hears David is in Keilah, uh, what does he do? He thanks the Lord for delivering David into his hand. That's how twisted we can get up and call it the will of God. In fact, I want to say something a little bit further. Um, I have been, uh, unfortunately, as a pastor, one of those common things I hear right before someone does something really dumb, forgive me for saying this, right before they do something really dumb is they will tell me that uh, it's the will of the Lord right before they do the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, let me just say real quick as at a discount rate, no charge for this. Um, This is going to be kind of like a uh, spring forward sorrow uh, giveaway. Okay, so it goes like this. Um, uh, Number one, you should check everything God told you to do by the word of God. Secondly, you should test the spirits. Not all passions within you are leading you toward God. You have passions that are within you that are leading you away from God. You should test the spirits. We'll talk about that in a little bit more. But I want you to see he's so confused and twisted up that he thinks the Lord has delivered David into his hand because the Lord has sent David to do the purpose that Saul has lost sight of. What happened? When you're a worshiper, you see your purpose. When you're filled with bitterness and jealousy, all you can see is who you're out to get. I've been to churches that felt like churches of Saul. I want to be a church of a worshiping house, a place of worship. I want people to come together and just exalt the name of the Lord. Our job is not to decide who's anointed and who is worthy and who is good and to kill one another and to compete in one another. No, there is a need in Keilah. And if God can use us to make a difference in Keilah, then God, can we make a difference? Yes, God says we can make a difference. And so, uh, what does Saul do? He gathers his army, he tries to trap David at Keilah. What does David do? Again, he inquires of the Lord. He doesn't automatically say, Well, I, but I'm anointed. I have to be able to beat Saul that's one mistake but neither does he say oh Saul is surely going to catch me now and I no he inquires of the Lord we can't do everything that doesn't mean we can't be, we shouldn't be doing some things and so what does he do? he inquires of the Lord the Lord says leave I want to show you one scripture I love scriptures in the Bible that they reveal irony and uh, I love this scripture 1 Samuel 23-26 the Bible says this Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men went on the other side of the mountain. When you're committed to the will of the Lord, your enemies will seem like the Keystone Cops. They can't do anything right. They arrest the wrong guy. They shoot the wrong guy. They even crucify the wrong guy. Interesting thought for reflective Christians. If the princes of this world had known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. When you're in the will of God, your enemies are made to look like fools. And so I want you to see real quick this truth. God has an investment in you. God wants to use you for his kingdom and his glory. You can't commit to everything. You'll burn out. You'll quit trying. You'll become a type of ministerial detritus on the side of the road. Because you tried to do everything, you couldn't do it. It's impossible. I can't do it. It's impossible. I have to learn how to say no, so I can say yes. Because if I say yes too soon, I'm committed to things that don't matter, things I weren't that weren't placed in my hand. I have to be uh, seeking the will of God. So, uh, real quick, practical truths as our musicians come, as our singers come, practical truths on seeking and inquiring of the Lord. Uh, The first thing is this, and if you'll receive this, I I think this is so foundational. Uh, I really, I I would want you to to, to take this to your heart. Don't just pursue the will of God. Pursue God. (laughs) Don't just pursue knowing the will of God. Seek to know God. When you are with His heart, his will is much easier to perceive. Sometimes we're seeking an answer when what we should have done is sought his presence. Because the answer was not something he gave us, it was who he was. And in his presence, there was fullness of joy. So don't just seek the will of the Lord. Don't just seek to know the will of the Lord. Seek to know the Lord. You know what this will do for you? Like King David, it will lead you to a life of worship. David would say in Psalms 27 and 8, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, shall I seek. In other words, the heart of God is seeking to know us. And our heart is seeking to know uh, God. The second thing, practical I- example and truth to inquiring of the Lord is understand that when you're living your life right, you are demonstrating trust. There is an error we make where we think we're some type of wi- type of wizard where we don't sit up at night and worry because we know everything. The end from the beginning. I've served God all my life and I don't know a single night I've ever felt like that. Maybe you're a church ninja. I don't know. Maybe you came down from a miscovered kung fu Fu temple and you know all things. But the rest of us are demonstrating trust in our life. There will come a time when you'll have to decide, particularly on things that are in your venue. God's not going to necessarily tell you every decision of your life. That is part of you living in a garden of his creation. And you name the garden. You have dominion over the garden. If you want to call this something, call it that. There's so much of your life that you... You literally offer to the Lord as an act of your creativity. It may include your careers. It may include your education. It may include your businesses. It may include your art. It is a function of you. And it becomes an offering unto the Lord. And a testimony that He loves everybody. Not just the cookie cutter crowd. There's so much that's in your venue. And the Lord may not give you an answer. And when you have to decide, you will wonder, am I doing the right thing? I want you to know that when you make a decision, it's not like God's commitment to you has ended. You're still demonstrating trust. And I've started down many a road that the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. You know what I did? I stopped, turned around, went right back to square one. And so it will be with you. When you demonstrate trust in God, you're not doing it wrong. You're doing it right. Can I have a big amen? Lastly, almost done. Don't just ask God for an answer. Ask God for wisdom. Not necessarily the same thing. So many people spend their whole life, Lord, tell me what to do about this, rather than saying, Lord, give me wisdom so I'll know my heart and I'll know your heart. You see, an answer is a fish. Wisdom is a fishing instructional. An answer is a fish. Wisdom is a fishing tutorial. Don't just ask for an answer. Ask for wisdom. Lord, I need to understand, first of all, where I'm at. I need to understand the arenas of my own weakness and my strength. I need to, be, I need to confess. I need to repent. And then I need to, having made my heart right with you, I need to ask you for wisdom, divine wisdom. Uh, James chapter 1, verse number 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask the Lord who gives generously to all without finding fault. Without finding fault. God doesn't tell you how stupid you are when he gives you wisdom. You might tell you how stupid you are. (laughs) If you're anything like me, I've told myself that on at least 297 occasions. But God doesn't give you wisdom while finding fault. He gives you wisdom as an act of love, not an act of punishment. Everyone who asks receives. Well, let me go back. And it gives uh, generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given you. Ask and you'll be given wisdom. Secondly, Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. It's God's pleasure to give good gifts Stand with me all across the house. I must seek and inquire of the Lord. You must seek and inquire of the Lord. Several things are going to happen right now, and I want to real quick give you an overview because I want everyone to be comfortable, not just the regular church folks. One of the the things I've many times made a mistake is I I didn't take care of everybody at the altar. The church folks were comfortable, so I want to take care of everything. Real quick, our friends and our guests... Um, we're so glad you took a chance on us and came and visit us. Uh, we 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 wanted to host you well. I hope you feel that we have. Um, at any time uh, after we pray, if you need to slip out, if you need to be dismissed, you're uh, you're welcome to do so. There's no obligation to linger. All right, so I've taken care of you. I want to say one more thing to our guests and the people who are fairly new. We have a first steps class that happens right after this. Uh, today we're on lesson two. It's four lessons long. You can start at any time. You don't have to go through it sequentially. Uh, Today, we're introducing you to the church, to the ministries into the church, to how you find your place to volunteer and to serve. If you have questions about our church, uh, we'll feed you a meal. It's a great time. So I've taken care of you. Uh, In just a moment, our worship team is going to take us deeper into the presence of the Lord, and their their real goal is to lead us in praise and worship. That our hearts might be ready to receive of the Lord. Because this is what I know. In a house like this, there's a tremendous range of trials. A tremendous range of pain and suffering and fear and sickness. And I believe the presence of the Lord is here right now. And I believe he would like to work among his people. How do we do that? Well, we believe in uh, that biblical principle of laying hands on people. COVID has made that complicated. How do we deal with that? Well, our pastoral staff wears masks and they try to take care not to get right up in your face when they uh, pray for you. Uh, that allows you to fulfill that biblical invitation and let ministry anoint you with oil in Jesus' name. So if you're here today day and you're sick in your body, you have illness, if you need a breakthrough spiritually, if you need an answer to a dilemma and you would like to join your faith with someone else, joined faith is not doubly strong. It's like exponentially strong. It's 2, not 10 to 20. It's 10 to 100. And so that's why we do that. And so our pastoral team will be around the front. Uh, Those of you who want to remain where you are and pray, you're welcome to do so. Uh, So everybody's comfortable. I want to pray over you right now. I want to believe that God is... He is speaking to you. And God is invested in you and I want to believe that he wants to take your hand in his hand and when you walk out of here today it's not just as someone who visited a church but it as somebody who has touched the hem of his garment and there's a new anointing, a new strength, a new spiritual empowerment, a new trust, a new wonder that's in your life so we're going to do that right now we're going to have a baptismal service in a little while we have people to be baptized today, that's super fun but right now I'd like you to let your heart be inclined toward God Lord Jesus, I'm praying for every individual that's here today. Lord, all of us have so many things in our life that are distractions to us. And if we're honest, I think all of us would admit we don't do a great job of managing ourselves. We overload ourselves emotionally. We overload ourselves in obligation. We overload ourselves in things that really, at the end of the day, they don't matter that much. But they sure take a heavy toll on our spirit. Lord, help us to learn to inquire of the Lord and ask what we should be invested in. We don't have unlimited time. We don't have unlimited strength, unlimited stress management ability, unlimited talents. Lord, we need to be led of you. Our team here at the church needs to be led of you. This city desperately needs the love of God shed abroad in their hearts. Lead us according to your will. I pray for the person that is here today and they've been struggling and they've learned to hide it. Lord, would you challenge them enough today that they would quit hiding it? I pray for the person here today who has fought discouragement and despair for so long. They've they've just accepted it as a way of being and they've learned to manage it as a chronic condition. Lord, would you let faith begin anew in their heart where it's not just a chronic condition for them, but they begin to worship you and turn their reality into worship move among your people here today in jesus name we pray amen as our worship team leads those who with a need feel free to step out come down to the front if you want to worship the lord right where you are totally okay but focus your mind and let our worship team lead you deeper in this moment right now. thank you for listening to first church charlotte if this podcast has blessed you please rate it with four or five stars by doing so you will help others find our free podcast and bless them